Does anyone here like magic? Welcome to the Game Time Podcast, a nice FA Cup review with all of the upsets included. Ryan and Tom on this one, and a little bit later, Tim as well for the January transfer quiz and talking points. Tom, how you doing? I'm good, mate. How are you? Yeah, very well, thanks. Ryan, you well? Yeah, hello, mate. Yes, how are you? Yes, also very well. I mean, <laughs> let's start it then with something that Ryan probably doesn't want to talk about. Crystal Palace versus Tottenham Hotspur. What went wrong? Um... I think it's a combination of just having all of our best players out injured, which is never good. Um, yeah, I, I don't particularly think we equipped ourselves very well in the first half. It's a long time since I've seen us play that badly. Um, obviously, you can sort of maybe put the blame at some reserve or fringe players playing, but at the end of the day, um, even some of the sort of more established players didn't exactly cover themselves in glory. So, yeah, not exactly a... Um, not exactly a sort of like a game where we sort of made the most of what the chances we had. I still maintain that like if we'd have got that penalty would have gone in from Trippier, then maybe we could have got a replay because Palace are not exactly the strongest team at home. That was only their fourth win at home, I think, this this season. Um, but yeah, it's just one of those days where it didn't really happen. And like I say, unfortunately, that's pretty much going to put um, any sort of like silverware on hold for another year, unfortunately, which is uh, not good considering... People seem to be um, clambering for us to win something to prove something about Pochettino, which I could never really work out. But um, yeah, it's just a bit of disappointment, really. I don't want to sound big-headed, but I did say Crystal Palace were going to win on the last <laughs> pod. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I say, if if there was any ever going to be like a big sort of like a, a, a big a big or like, or like a, a game that would have maybe gone against us it would have been that one because of like I said the injuries we had and the fact that Palace on their day can be a good side like obviously you've got like Zaha when he turns up and he looks really it's really good um, yeah like I say it was just very disappointing I mean it sort of maybe saved us in the long run because of obviously all the injuries we have we've now got basically the rest of the league games and then a couple of Champions League games if we can get past Dortmund which is not looking likely considering all of our main players will be out until at least the second leg maybe not both games so it sort of helps with the fixture congestion but then obviously you look at the draw for the fifth round obviously Chelsea United together and we would have got Doncaster away which you'd like to think we would have won so and then you, you think about this idea about when people say like oh well Pochettino has to prove himself by winning a trophy that could have been a good one, but unfortunately it just wasn't to be, really. You mentioned uh, Kieran Trippier missing a penalty. The beautiful people at Opta found this stat. Excluding shootouts, Kieran Trippier becomes the first Spurs player to miss a penalty in the FA Cup since Tom Huddleston in February 2010 against Bolton. Nice. <laughs> I forgot he um, used to take penalties for Spurs, Huddleston. I think that was a... It's been another game where we had about nine injuries as well because he would have been well done. <laughs> um, Tom, I want to ask you, Andros Townsend, I know there's been times, especially earlier in the season, where he looked really off the pace, but 
over the last few games, he's really been performing for Crystal Palace. Have you been impressed with how he's played? Uh, yeah, I think he's been good. I think um, he obviously had that fantastic goal against City. And I do kind of feel with these type of players that they probably do play relatively consistently. It just happens to be that you see them a lot more when they're playing the bigger teams. Um, but yeah, I think Palace... Well, they. I mean, there's been rumours of Zaha going um, in January with people like Dortmund being linked to him. So players like Townsend will probably have more of an opportunity to step up into more significant roles in the team. Um, but I think on the whole, they, they've 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 got some really good young talent coming through their team uh, at the moment. They've got obviously the one one Basaka looks like a fantastic player, and as they're talking about earlier on, he's he's um, got the most number of interceptions and tackles, successful tackles in that, the top five divisions in Europe at the moment. So he he appears to be someone that. Surely should be banging on England or at the moment, uh, at least getting into those squads. But yeah, I think Crystal Palace have got a, well, they deservedly won. And in fairness, I think Spurs were well undermanned, and we, we can talk about the people missing like Son and Kane uh, and Ali as well. But you can only beat what's been put in front of you, and Palace didn't wilt under the pressure. Connor Wickham scored his first goal in 799 days for Crystal Palace. Um, again, beautiful stat from Opta. One thing that I want to talk about though, Christian Benteke. Right, so he came on off the bench. What's happened to him? Because I feel like at at some point over the last few years, when he signed for Liverpool, he was seen as as one of the Premier League's sort of top strikers after a really impressive performance at Aston Villa. What do you think's gone wrong for him at Palace, or or wrong for him in general? I think he's a big confidence player. Um, as soon as these type of things happen, where you have dry spells and he, he hasn't scored for a long time, it just progressively makes it worse and worse for, for the individual and it's really difficult to get out of those ruts I mean I don't watch him a lot and I remember how good he was at places like Villa and, and even relatively successful at Liverpool I mean it's one of those things where he could get, get a move tomorrow and, and he could start performing for someone else and his confidence would be back and he'd be fine but it just when you're in the middle of it it's almost impossible to see the end yeah no, I just remember him being like just on his day like one of those strikers that you just couldn't have. I mean, he's got a bicycle kick against United at Old Trafford. I just remember thinking he was so strong and like some of the goals he scored. Well, if we move on to another game that was probably a bigger upset, Wimbledon beating West Ham by four goals to two. Alan, unfortunately, not on the pod this evening. But my God, what an upset that was. Ryan, you watched the game. Were Wimbledon good value for their win? Um, yeah, I mean, I watched the sort of the first half uh, fairly... Um, sort of like detail. I was, I was sitting there watching it, and then second half, I was I had a event to go to, but I was sort of keeping up with the score. I mean, Wimbledon absolutely battered West Ham in the first half. I mean, like like Alex probably going to say maybe different, and maybe they sort of like got a bit lucky and stuff. But from what I could see, they were sort of really um, they were really like, they were going at West Ham. They weren't letting them any time on the ball. Um, obviously, like having to make sure that um, they were keeping sort of tabs on Hernandez because he did hit the post. Um, in the first half and he sort of like came closer and I think like even though West Ham were out of most of the game they could always just score from a, a chance because they've sort of got that extra quality but I do find it very hard to believe like obviously I do watch a lot of the football league and I find it very hard to believe I kept sitting there thinking how Wimbledon bottom of league one because if they play like this every week there should be nowhere near the bottom I mean like I said the, the, the way they were playing and obviously they did get tired towards the end they let a couple of goals in but then thankfully for them got that fourth um, it was just like it was really good to see like a team being so positive against uh, a sort of like a Premiership side. 
because often you see teams like who are just happy to get like a nil-nil draw, like maybe get a replay. And you've seen the same with like Shrewsbury as well, giving it a real go against Wolves. Um, and it's just like one of those things. It's it's like the teams there are to there are there to be beaten, especially the amount of changes that people make in the team, like eleven changes, eight changes, whatever. Um, and like Tom said, that you can only beat what's in front of you. But still, it's still a big deal for them. Like teams like um, Shrewsbury, teams like Wimbledon, going to these big games, even like Barnet to some extent last night. And getting a replay or getting a win, and it's just really, it's just really like good to see. Like I said, they they played so well in the first half. I'm really really happy for them. Do you think, Tom, it's just a spot of complacency from from a Premier League side? Who, to be fair, West Ham have been playing pretty decently over the last few weeks. Do you think it was just a spot of complacency from them, or do you think it was just Wimbledon going, we ain't losing this game? Well, I mean, I mean, it's a combination of things. I think initially it's an indictment of how poor the rotational players are at West Ham because Andy, Andy Carroll was awful and he couldn't even get anything. And that's a game where you're thinking he may have his struggles in the Premier League, but you'd imagine he could boss a lower league team, a team that, like Ryan said, is struggling in League One. Um, and like Ryan's right, they, they didn't come into the game until about the second half when Felipe Anderson came on. That It was a, it was a comfortable Wimbledon performance in the first half. Um, I think the other thing that probably I, I didn't realise until they were talking about it in the game is obviously Wimbledon were beaten earlier on in the season in West Ham, by West Ham in the League Cup, so I think they had something to prove and they wanted to come back and, and show they weren't just going they weren't just going to roll over again. Um, but yeah, I, I think West Ham they were lack, lacking Declan Rice in the middle of the park. I thought Noble was particularly poor, especially on the second goal. I think um, there, it was an interception in the midfield and. We talk about noble, jog, noble jogging back. It was a, it was a really slow walk this time. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and then I think at four two, about the eighty fifth minute, something like that. Ramsdale, who's a former loney, um, made a save from Antonio right in front of the goal, which I mean, it looked like a certain goal. And you do think if they'd conceded, then there would have been real pressure in the last five minutes from West Ham to get an equaliser. But I think you just have to, in the same way you look at the Crystal Palace game, it's. It's a great result for Wimbledon, and yeah, these are the type of games you look back in the past about. People remember when Bradford beat Chelsea um, at Stamford Bridge. It's, it's those type of games that you look back and think it is a real cup upset. Did so well to manage to get Bournemouth in there as well. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah, considering we went out almost two rounds ago now. Yeah, yeah. absolutely right. That Bournemouth still gets a mention <laughs> in the fifth round of the FA Cup. <laughs> One thing you said there, though, that that really interests me, and I wanted to get your guys' take on this. Um, you said that the rotational players of West Ham weren't up to the standard and weren't a good enough job. So I had a look at um, some stats for teams that made changes. Uh, West Ham made six changes alongside Crystal Palace, who made six changes, Wolves, who made six changes, and Chelsea, who made six changes. Um, so two of those teams went through, two of those teams didn't win. win. Wolves have got a replay, but that's fair enough. There are four teams that made more changes than them. Watford made the most with 11 and 1. But then the three teams below that, Newcastle, Tottenham and Burnley, all made 7, lost. What I want to say to you is, are making or is making changes in the cup a big deal? And do you think people are taking too much about making changes? Or do you think it's pointless making changes in the cup? Ryan, do you want to, what are your thoughts on it? I don't think it's pointless. I mean, like, so you look at most, pretty much every premiership team now, everyone has a squad of at least 25, maybe even 30 players to pick from. I mean, the whole point is some of these players as well, which is always, I find, I find like an underrated part of um, this when people talk about changes. Some players actually have almost like contractual obligations to play in the cup games. 
like especially goalkeepers like you see some of them i think there was um a time where um I think we had a, some sort of clause in Michel Vaughan's contract where he would be guaranteed to start at least a certain amount of number of games. Um, obviously, now Gazaniga sort of took over because he's a sort of better goalkeeper and Vaughan's sort of on his way out. But um, and I don't necessarily think a lot of people talk about devaluing the cup competition. I don't think it does because at the end of the day, they're still Premiership level players. They're still getting paid however much they're getting paid. They're still playing for those Premiership teams. I mean, like I say, Andy Carroll is like an international striker, even though he's not played for England for a few years. He's still on a good uh, bit of money. He's still, like Tom said, theoretically should be bossing games like Wimbledon away. Um, and it's just a case of like turning up and actually whether or not the players are actually equipped either by the manager or whether they're mentally equipped to deal with the sort of like the tactics of lower league teams because some of them may play a bit more directly than they used to. Um, other teams might sort of like go at them with a bit more of a high press, a bit more intensity than they're maybe expecting. Obviously, it catches them off guard. But I don't necessarily think it's a problem because that's what squads are for. If you played every game, like Spurs do, pretty much, if you played every game with your full strength 11, it's necessarily it's going to catch up with you. Um, and obviously, that's that's why people have deep squads so they can go and challenge on three or four fronts, like Man City can, for example, or Man United or whoever. Um, so, yeah, I don't necessarily think it's an issue per se. That's fair, Tom. Bournemouth are, it's fair to say, are in a sort of different predicament to challenging for top four, possibly title. Bournemouth comfortably mid-table. As a mid-table side, I know you're not in the cup, but <laughs> likes a West Ham. Oh, yeah. Wolves, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the, li- the likes of West Ham, Wolves, Everton, making wholesale changes in the cup. D- do you not think... What is the point in these sides making seven, eight changes? Because they're not challenging for a title. And now their season, in terms of getting some sort of silverware, is over. So uh, I, I think there, there is an echo, really, on, on the point that Ryan's making. In, in that we, especially at Bournemouth, and I, I would assume it's the same for a lot of the mid-table teams, you do have a, a squad, but you really have a core 11 players who if are fit, you'd play every game. And for us, the only opportunity we get to see players like Lise Mousset or Mark Pugh and people like that are in the cup games. So it's, it's one of those things where you have to understand that you have to keep the squad happy and you have to rotate because otherwise you're going to lose players um, or people are going to want to leave really quickly. I, in, in terms of it's our only opportunity for silverware, look, we're not going to win the trophy because Man City can take it half arse until the semi-final and then they can bash anyone. So I, I think there is still, I mean, Wigan, the last t- team outside of the top, well, the big six to win it, right? Um, mm-hmm. And I don't think I, I just don't think it happens again. I, I don't think it will happen again for such a long time. And when you're looking at it, offsetting the risk of your squad being unhappy because they play no games, like Ryan said with the goalkeepers, but for us, it's the only time we really get to blood in young players because you get to play weaker in, in inverted commas opponents. I just don't think it means as much to a lot of people. And for, for me, we we haven't taken it seriously since we've integrated the Premier League and. I don't think anything's going to change that going forward unless all of the big top six teams get knocked out in round three next year, which obviously won't happen either. Yeah, I, th- I think that you're both pretty much spot on. I, I don't like the idea that the FA Cup is being devalued by playing younger players. You can't argue that younger players should get a chance and then complain when they're given a chance in a cup competition because it's devaluing the cup. They should be given a chance wherever they're given a chance, no? Yeah, I think the, I mean, the Hudson Odoi is a perfect example where he played um, against Sheffield Wednesday, scores a great goal, and there's complaints about him not getting game time. Now, imagine if you 
played your first 11 the whole of the season. He's not getting anyone in the squad. So, and there's Ethan mm-hmm. Ampadu, other guys that are supposed to be the, um, following on uh, into the, the first team squad. They don't get that exposure. It, it, is, it is a catch 20, really, isn't it? Because you, you want to play your youth, you want to blood in your young players so they get the opportunity to submit, step up to the first team in the Premier League. But if you don't do it, if you do do that even, you're, you're criticised for not taking it seriously. So, look, I think in May, if it's, an, if it's, a, it's a final between Man United, Chelsea and Man City, you, you're, you're gonna, no one's going to complain that there's uh, all these small teams missing out equally. If a small team does win it, then it's, they've taken it seriously enough. Cool, so let's move on to some of the other games. Millwall beat Everton by three goals to two in a game, unfortunately, that was completely ruined by the crowd trouble. Um, I'm not sure if you saw this, but some of the videos that have been on social media of, of the racist chanting and, and the abuse have been, have been pretty poor. And you never want to see that at a football game or anywhere in general. No, it was horrific. Um, and uh, there's the, the chanting aspect of it has been deplored by some of the people who are representing Millwall's fan base. And obviously, this is a, a game which was nationally televised. Um, but to have that type of exposure is, is obviously um, atrocious in, in that sense. And I, th- I think they need, Millwall need to make some concerted effort to distance, distance themselves from the fans that were involved. And I think they are doing that. Uh, but it's such a shame that in a game that they beat a Premier League opposition, these are the type of headlines that are coming out of it. Yeah, no, it, it really is a shame. And, and let's talk about the game because, if anything, it goes against completely what we were saying uh, just a few minutes ago because Everton only made two changes. Mm. So they had a pretty full-strength squad and and the magic of the cup, if there is one, did strike with Wallace scoring in the 94th minute to win it for, for Millwall. So, I mean, clearly there is maybe still something left in it. How, how far do you think Millwall can go? They, they've got a reasonably decent tie in the fifth round. Yeah, I, I, they played very well. I think um, there's, they spotted a weakness in, in Everton in the sense that they were very weak from set pieces. Um, I think there's a lot more pressure on Marco Silva at the moment than perhaps there was at the beginning of the season. Um, he seems to have been found out a bit. You're right, they played a pretty much well, a very strong team. They had obviously... Richarlison, Sigurdsson playing, um, Tosson came off the bench. and I think throughout the team, you'd argue that that was close, if not their starting eleven. Um, but they were just disappointing and they were ultimately undone by some, a bit of luck with the handball decision, got the handball goal, but they were undone because they couldn't defend set pieces correctly. And, and now they're out of the cup and you're right, that's, that's them done for a season of silverware. I think Millwall, in my opinion, actually are a League One team. They've got a very, very good manager and, and he's keeping them driving in this league in the Championship at the moment. Uh, but yeah, they can look forward and you can beat anyone on, on your day if you play well enough and the opposition's as poor as Everton were. Yeah, uh, and they've got AFC Wimbledon in the next round. So you'd say that's an easier tie. Yeah, you'd, like, you'd, you'd definitely think so. But I guess the, the argument is Wimbledon played so well in the FA Cup and maybe they this is the distraction from the league they need. But um, yeah, I think... It's good to see. I like these type of ties where you get into the fifth round and you've got a, a, a football league fixture rather than a Premier League team being mixed in there because it gives them an opportunity to get into the later stages of the tournament. And that is always more exciting, especially if there's more upsets, upsets later on. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. It would be nice to see. And, and we will go through the entire fifth round draw, just picking out a few things after we talk about Arsenal versus Manchester United, which was probably the pick of the ties um, in terms of squads with both of the teams winning the FA Cup 13 times for Arsenal, 12 times for Manchester United. And Ole Gunnar Solskjaer just keeps on going. 
Oh, it was amazing. It was brilliant. I mean, the performance was, I thought, was very good and very strong. And, and they, United looked like winning the whole game. It was fantastic. They played Arsenal perfectly. I think Arsenal were unlucky with some injuries within the game itself. And um, obviously Socrates having to go up as well. That, that, was a, that was an issue for them. But I think the counter-attacking football you played against Arsenal, which you've played against Arsenal for so many years. I mean, <laughs> I, I remember so many counter-attacking Ronaldo, Rooney goals from, from years gone, gone by. To see sort of Lukaku, who I actually think maybe is better. I think there's a, there's an idea that he's better at receiving the ball with the back with his back to goal and pivoting and using his power. I thought running in at goal and using his the whip play that he did, he looked really really strong and really really good. And I know he's starting today for Man United as well. So yeah, I think it's promising for United. It's, it's continuing to go. I mean, as a United fan, what what do you think about? The performance, not just in the game at uh, the weekend, but I guess uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's tenure so far. Bloody love it, mate! <laughs> it's like it's like all of my birthday and Christmas wishes come true in one go. Just the style of football we're playing is so fun, and, and everyone just seems to have a smile on their face. I don't know if you saw afterwards, um, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer in, in the post-match press conference. Luke Shaw was waiting to do his post-match press conference. And Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was basically just having a laugh and was just like, all right then, Luke, come on, come on, get in here then if you're, if you're waiting to come in. And it just seems like a totally different buzz around and you can see it in the football, some really, really good goals. And, and Lukaku looks really good off that right wing. The two assists for him, the first one was honestly such a clever pass that just shapes to shoot and then just rolls it into Sanchez who has had his critics whilst at Man United but took the goal really, really well. And then the second one, just left unmarked. Kolasinac didn't know what to do with him. Um, left him unmarked, rolled it in, and Jesse Lingard just bloody loves dancing at the Emirates, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you saw someone change the Wikipedia page for Arsenal, and it just says, owner of the Emirates, Jesse Lingard. <laughs> <laughs> Millie Rock and then the Michael Jackson. But yeah, no, it, it was also a really good game. I w- I'll be honest, I was scared when Aubameyang scored, because I was saying to him, Saying to my dad, I was watching the game, I was like, as long as United do not concede before half-time, it will be a good time. And then Aubameyang scored about three minutes before half-time. I thought, oh, no. <laughs> but, um, but luckily, Martial came off the bench and, and did the business to round off 3-1. And for that fantastic victory, Manchester United get Chelsea in the next round of the Cup, which is, is an absolutely stunning tie. Which way do you see that one going? Uh, I mean, it depends what Chelsea team you get. I mean, they've looked... Um... Very poor against Arsenal. Uh, they looked okay against Sheffield Wednesday. Um, but I think the signing of Higuain is going to be really important. They obviously played uh, Bournemouth on Wednesday, which I think will be a, a good game for, for us and it's a good time to play them, I think. But um, yeah, they need they need their, their top guns, Hazard and, and newly new Higuain as well. They need him to stop firing as soon as possible because they definitely look a bit adept up front. I, I, I still think, I think... There's no reason to doubt Solskjaer at the moment that you're playing fantastically well. I think you've beaten everything that has been put in front of you. Maybe there'll be a test against someone like a Liverpool, someone like a Man City later down the line. But I've been really impressed with um, the way you're playing. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't, back, I wouldn't go against you. I don't. Thank you very much. <laughs> I'll take that. Um, if we have a look at the rest of the fifth round ties, uh, Bristol City will either take on Shrewsbury or Wolves in a replay. As we mentioned, Wimbledon take on Millwall. Doncaster Crystal Palace. That could be uh, a decent little game. For, for either sides, because if Palace go through, then they're looking at some favourable ties when you look at 
the likes of Wimbledon versus Millwall, and then Swansea take on either Barnet or Brentford, Portsmouth or QPR take on Watford, and then Brighton or West Brom take on Derby. Um, and the one I've left till last, just purely because I really want Newport to win, Middlesbrough versus Newport in a replay, either of them will face Manchester City. I would love to see Newport face Man City. Yeah, it'd be great. I mean, they did so well to get an equaliser against Borough as well. So it'd be great to have someone like that into, especially like a home game against. Uh, well, is, is is it at the is it at the Etihad or would it, would it be at, at um, Newport? It, w- it will be at, at Newport or at um, the Riverside. It's got County Ground, I think it is. Yeah, it's Newport. But yeah, so that be, that's great. And, and uh, I do hope they get them to get to the. Anyone to beat a Tony Pulis side is good with me. Um, right, let's, before we go into the break, do you want to have a, a little chat about uh, the Wednesday's Premier League games? Because there's, uh, there's some some big ones. We'll start it off with Bournemouth versus Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'm excited uh, to play Chelsea at this time. I think we've, we've come through a really tough Christmas food, which I've talked about extensively. And uh, it'll be. I think this is one of the final tough games we've got before we've got a decent stretch of games um, that I think are more, are more winnable. I think we, we, every time we've played them at home in the Premier League, we've lost. Um, and we've beaten them twice at Stamford Bridge. I would love to get a result tomorrow. I think it's a great time to play him before Higuain gets set and hopefully before he starts contributing too much to the team, we, we can get in there ahead of him. But uh, I am... In very very scared uh, of Hazard. Um, his his record against us is very good. I think he's only with considering we've only been in the league four years. Um, he's in terms of individual teams, he's only scored more goals against Liverpool. And um, the second is Bournemouth. I think he's scored seven goals since we since we've been in the Premier League. So uh, he's he's a real threat against uh, for us and, and probably a weak spot. But yeah, I'm excited. New signing Chris Meppham, obviously from Brentford, potentially on the bench would be a good op- a good option and. There's lots of rumours about Ake and Callum Wilson going around, uh, but I think I think we probably will keep hold of them now. I don't think there's enough time now before the end of the window. It'll be interesting to see people like Hudson Odoi whether whether the performance uh, against Sheffield Wednesday is enough to put him into the team. I know that Sari came out today and said that um, he he doesn't have enough. Maybe there isn't enough time for Hudson Odoi under under him, which I think is an unusual statement considering he's such a talent. But then maybe that just shows that he's going out the door. Yeah, I, I I would love to see us get anything at this game, but I've got a feeling they may scrape a win. I was going to say, is the best thing about your January transfer window the fact that you've managed to keep the likes of Ake and especially Callum Wilson, who was so heavily linked with moves to West Ham and Chelsea? Yeah, I mean, I, I think we've done we've had, we've signed three players. We've signed Solanke, we signed Mepham, and we've signed um, Nathaniel Klein on a loan, who I think is we needed a right back for a long time, and if he stays fit and healthy. I think he, he he should play every single game now to the end of the season. Um, but yeah, it was big for us to make sure we didn't lose those players. Um, but I mean, the thing is, if they keep performing well, we will lose them eventually. So we, we do need to think about succession planning. And I think Metham is probably the ideal replacement for, for Ake if he can step up. And we've lost Mark Pugh, who I didn't get the opportunity to talk about when he left, I think, the last podcast. But he's been with us for nine years now. And he's... He is a representation of how far we've come. Like every single step up, we've always said, oh, "I don't think he's good enough," and he's put in the effort, and he's he's been a true professional. He's stepped up all the way to the Premier League. So he's he's gone to Hull, and his contract expires at the end of the season. Um, so yeah, I think it just shows maybe there's been a bit of a transition period at the moment for Bournemouth, and we're now looking at making sure that we're a long-term team in the Premier League. Our, our owner has just bought back um, the the remaining shares on the in the club, so he he now owns 100. So 
I think maybe there's a, a potential of going forward. He's going to have some more drastic plans in place, maybe a new stadium, new training ground. So it's exciting times. And as long as we stay up this season, I'll be happy. Looking very good for Bournemouth indeed. Uh, not looking as good for Tottenham, who have lost three of their last four games. They host Watford at Wembley. Was this supposed to be their first game at the new stadium? Um, I think, so. I mean, I mean, <laughs> it's been delayed so many, so many times, isn't it? I, mean, I think it was originally supposed to be the beginning of the season, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not really sure. I, I don't really know. I mean, we're talking about stadium controversy. It's amazing how West Ham is no longer talking, talking about that as a, as a pure scam. I, I live in, I live in uh, the Newham area, and I know that flipping most of my cancer tax is going on Mark Arnautovic being able to play in front of. 35,000 East, East Londoners. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's a shame for Tottenham it's been delayed this much. But I, everything I've seen in terms of the visual aspects of it and what it's going to be like and, and the way they try to design it, it looks like a great stadium. And I like the idea that they've replicated um, or, or how they've looked to replicate um, the Dortmund wall, the, the intimidation mm. of the home fans. I think that, that should be really good. And, and Spurs have a good good support anyway, but no, it is very weird how that stadium for Raw has unfolded. Yeah, a bit odd. They take on a Watford side who have been kind of consistent in the last five games. They've not lost in their last four, um, and they're seventh in the table. Do you think they can have a go at a Tottenham side who have been shaky of late? I definitely think you have to believe that you can at the moment, just because of the, the number of players that Tottenham have got out injured, but I, I know Fernando Llorente, I think, looked really lost against Crystal Palace, but he seems to, he was someone I thought was quite good in the cup. So, um, yeah, I'm not, uh, I'm not convinced that it will be a complete upset, but um, if there is, ever is as much of a chance it is now. The other two games on the Wednesday, Southampton take on Crystal Palace. I mean, we said Palace were good. They were good value for money um, against Liverpool beat Tottenham in the cup. Southampton have been doing very, very well under Haas and Hootel. Which way do you see this one going? Hmm, not sure. Uh, I think Haas and Hootel has, has been good and he's looking to bring in timings now. So maybe there would be an upset there. And, and I, I, I'm tempted to go with Southampton. What about you? They're on identical points in, in the league table and Southampton have won their last two games as opposed to Crystal Palace losing their last two. So... If statistics are anything to go by, I'm going to go Southampton because I really like the job that Harsen Hootler's done. But there's nothing quite like a, a cup win against a, a top four side to really invigorate your side. And I'm going to say draw. I'm going to be really boring. I'm going to say draw. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> I think they'll cancel each other out. And the final game on the Wednesday evening, league leaders Liverpool host Leicester City. How do you think that one's going to go? Because oh, you, you never really see Liverpool losing, but Crystal Palace did have a really good go at them and did scare them. Yeah, and Leicester seemed to play very well against the big teams this year, so um, obviously they beat uh, Chelsea and, and they beat Man City as well, so uh, yeah, I think it'll be a good test for Liverpool. It'll be interesting how they, how they use their, their um, uh, the right-back issue, because obviously Trent Alexander-Arnold's out injured, and I believe Milner will be suspended, um, mm -hmm. so th there's an issue potentially there but I think the dominance of Liverpool and obviously they didn't have a cup game at the weekend because they got knocked out already should be fighting fit um, so yeah I, I would anticipate a Liverpool win there Scary to think they've now got one less competition to think about and can <laughs> just go full steam ahead at the top of the Premier League table right so that'll bring that part of the episode to a roundup as you may have noticed Ryan hasn't just gone really quiet 
he did have to disappear. I'll say that now. Otherwise, it would be weird if I'm not asking Ryan any questions. But he will be back because after the break, we've got the January transfer quiz for this week and maybe the last time and talking points, which Tim will also be jumping in on. So stay tuned for that. This episode is sponsored by Kangaroo Jack Fitness, personal training that goes above and beyond to get the best results for you. If you're an MMA fan, be sure to check out the new Switchkick podcast. We preview upcoming events, discuss the big UFC and Bellator news, and John from Philadelphia drops in to give us a few betting tips. To listen, search for Switchkick MMA on SoundCloud or Switchkick in the Apple Store. Welcome back from the break, and as I mentioned before, it's January transfer quiz time. It might even be the last one of game time, bearing in mind possibly the next episode will come on or come out even on the 1st of February, but I might sneak a little transfer deadline day one in there. So everyone knows the rules. I will be reading out quizzes for a player who has made a January transfer move at some point in their career. You have to shout your name and guess the player you think it is. Alan currently tops the leaderboard with two points. Ryan and Tom are joint second with one. Tim, let's get on the board. (laughs) I can do this. Is everybody ready? Yeah. Go for it. Clue number one. I was born on the 19th of September, 1990 in England. I was sold from a Premier League team without making a senior league appearance. In 2014, I gained promotion to the Premier League and played every single game in the league before being sold. I scored my first Premier League goal in February 2016. Christ, I've really got you guys on this one. I scored my first international goal in July 2018. Tom? Yes? Kieran Trippier? Correct answer is Kieran Trippier. (laughs) I only got that because the last one. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And because it might be the last one and you're now on two points, I will give you a bonus point. The the fee was undisclosed, but can you tell me what the January transfer move was? Um, Did he join... Have I just got to tell you the team he went to or the team he went both ways? Both teams? Both teams, yeah. Oh, I could do this. Nightmare. (laughs) He played for Burnley before Tottenham. Is so correct. correct. I'm guessing he it wasn't Burnley to Tottenham. No, we signed him in the summer, but like that was it's, they said he signed with he left without making a Premier League appearance. The club he went from. It's fair. I did say no conferring, so Ryan can help you out. That's fine. Um, <laughs> no, it, it's um, yeah, because we signed him way after we signed him in, in sort of like 2015. But you said he he got promotion in 2014. So. I have I have no idea who he played for before before Burnley. Can I jump in on this? Ryan, you can. It's, it's not for a point, but you can jump in. City, didn't they? He was in the youth team. Yeah, Manchester City. Oh, he was at Man City since 1999. The joke is, I was actually at that game when he scored his first goal for us. So we beat Watford 1-0. I remember Watford like, went to the game. And then, <laughs> um, I thought you were going to say you were at a World Cup game where he scored his first international goal. But yeah, so... Congratulations, Tom. You're now joint with Alan. So when Alan is back on Thursday, we will do, when you're both back on the squad, a tiebreaker. That one, I think, was a harder one. I tried to make the clues a little bit more elusive. 
Um, so congratulations as well uh, to everyone who got points and well done Tim for taking part. I make you all look better. <laughs> yeah, too, that is true. Tim makes you all look a lot better. Um, right, as always, we finish off our episodes with some talking points. Tim, why don't you get us started? Right. Uh, Martin Caceres has joined Juventus for the third time in his career at the age yes. of what I presume is 75. Um, <laughs> I, I don't get it, like why they keep re-signing him and selling him, but that's just the Italian league literally summed up to a T. Do you want, I can tell you exactly why they re-signed him. Because they sold Bonatti. Uh, because they sold Bonatti and Bonucci has fucked up his ankle. Mm. So they were, so like classic Italian teams, they go, well, we we just signed what we know. So Martin Caceres, get back in the team. <laughs> it's just mental. And the next week we've got some inside news from France uh, about the reason, or one of the reasons why Thierry Henry was fired. Um, apparently he, quote, vexed Radamel Falcao uh, by telling him how to call for the ball when he was making an attacking run. Uh, so he, Rad Falcao complained to Monaco's, uh, the Monaco owner's daughter about it. Why is he complaining to the daughter? <laughs> I've absolutely no idea. Like, as if she's the one that actually makes the decisions. I'm not even going to try and pronounce his name, Dimitri something. But... Um, it's just meant whatever the whole situation at Monaco's gone mental with them re-signing their old coach. Um, but yeah, tip for Thierry Henry's future is don't tell um, a megastar striker how to call for the ball. <laughs> um, next, we've got the Benfica women. Women are still on their winning streak. Uh, they played sixteen games, and who can guess who how many goals they've scored without looking at my uh, stat on the sheet? Right. And I know the game they won at the weekend. They won 32 0, didn't they? They've Maybe scored 293 goals in 16 games, uh, which averages out at 18.3 goals average per game. They need to up the difficulty, don't they? They've clearly got it on Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> they need to go to world class. Um, yeah, just meant that whole sort of league system is not working for the women uh, in Portugal. Um, <laughs> slammed. <laughs> um, yeah, I heard it here first. Uh, now, the w- way to piss off uh, the Juventus goalkeeper, Wojtek Szczesny, um, is if you're a journalist, don't ask him about who plays for his national team. Uh, he was asked in a post-match interview uh, if Mario Mandzukic is stronger than any other Polish attacker. Um, and if you go watch the video... Chesney is not impressed by the expression on his face, um, bearing in mind that Mandzukic is Croatian. Bloody, that is journalism at its finest. She's not understanding what different countries are and just going, yeah, they kind of look the same. Brexit. Um, <laughs> and finally, uh, just, I don't understand what's going on, but um, I think it's an Argentinian match. Uh, a, I think they, they take a corner, well, the team takes a corner. Uh, the striker goes up, Heads it into the back of the net um, and goes in. The whole team go and celebrate by the corner flag. Goalkeeper the, like, runs up, all have a massive team celebration. The referee then rules the goal out by handball. The keeper <sighs> runs up to the referee, absolutely wallops in, kicks in the back of the leg and then runs away. Christ. And um, the referee goes down uh, like Mohamed Salah without any contact and just like screams on the floor and the goalkeeper is now being like sued for um, injury. We will post the video on Twitter later 
but it is just the worst thing you'll see on a football pitch um, by a player. <laughs> it's just absolutely clouting the referee after a decision hasn't gone their way. <laughs> oh, that is that is top notch. Um, Tom, have you got any talking points for us this week? Speaking about people going back to their club three times, Darren Ferguson has gone back to Peterborough for the third time. <laughs> so he's their manager again. Keep me updated. Not quite Juventus. No, not the same. But um, uh, lead and uh, an interesting point is that the um, the five teams that are top of the respective top five divisions in England all begin with the letter L. Can you name them? Oh yes. Go on then, Ryan. <laughs> Liverpool top yeah. of the Premiership. Leeds, top of the Championship. Luton Town, top of League One. Yeah. Lincoln City, top of League Two. Yeah. Leighton Orient, top of the Vanarama. Top on. Well, well played, mate. That is a... Well, they're the team down at Leicester, but in fairness, they're in the same division as Liverpool. <laughs> <so they can't. laughs> do, you, do you want to also add the fact that Linfield are top of the Irish League table as well? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, take, I'll take that as a no. <laughs> That's what you said about Darren Ferguson at Peterborough. Obviously, um, I'll mention this before, the um, the local news I get involves Peterborough within our jurisdiction. Um, and they obviously had the thing on last night when he was being, they were like, oh, a familiar faces back at uh, Peterborough United. And I'm pretty sure they just played the interview from 2010. He's got a little bit more hair. And he's like, yeah, I'm really looking forward to getting started again, like meeting all the lads. <laughs> like, you just know your way around. What's the point in doing another interview? You just play the off. <laughs> oh, that, that is brilliant. Ryan, have you got any anything else? Um, no, that was the, the Darren Ferguson one was going to be mine. That's the only one I was going to make. <laughs> Sorry, Ryan. That's fine. Right. Just going to make me chuckle. I'm glad someone else noticed it. Because oh. it made me laugh. And I was like, oh, that's, that's decent. But yeah. That's, um, apart, from, apart from that, there was uh, obviously the um, after Trippier missed the penalty on Sunday, there was this picture that went around sort of on. Tottenham Twitter accounts where like it's like a crowd reaction shot when it goes past the post and there's like different people doing different things someone stands there like with an open mouth and the person like puts his hands on his head someone turns around and just shouts fuck off <laughs> um, it's like sort of like people just come it's like five different reactions from five different people which really made me laugh like it's just how people um, sort of react to sort of bad stuff like whether it be mis- or red card or whatever but yeah it's very very apt for what happened <laughs> that is uh <laughs> so good um my two that i've got are a bit weird the first one uh is over in Serie A. fabio cagliarella scored in his 11th straight game and matched gabriel batistuta's record in Serie A. um he scored a penalty against his old side udinese which is pretty impressive bearing in mind he's in his late 30s as well but he's still not moved out of his parents' house, has he? <laughs> no. <laughs> what are you trying to say about Italians and not moving out of their parents' house? You know exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have you know that the study done, the average age was 32 years old. So he's fine. Excellent. <laughs> still sitting there just going, no, nah, give it a couple of years. Danny, you've still got like seven to go. Yeah, you got Oh, good God, don't remind me. Um, and, and my last one, this one's a, a bit more of a local one um, from here. So ages and ages ago on a podcast, I talked about uh, the Marlowe FC manager, Mark Bartley, <laughs> being being fined for wearing, for, wearing, for wearing the wrong trousers. And uh, the best thing about this is uh, a picture came up uh, this week, uh, Bedfont Sports, uh, the <laughs> manager, the manager of Bedford Sports, got awarded 
uh, a trophy for being the best manager of the month by the chairman of the league who is wearing the wrong jacket. He's wearing, he's wearing the same jacket sponsor that Mark Bartley was wearing of trousers. And he, of course, not going to find himself for it because he's the bloody chairman. So uh, so that's uh, the double standards of non-league football. Chairman can wear whatever he wants, but if a manager does it, he gets fined 100 quid. It's almost as corrupt as Italy. <laughs> <laughs> Low blow. Low blow. There's two there. <laughs> right, I think on that note, that about wraps it up for this episode. Uh, thank you to everyone who has listened over the last what month? It's the start of a new year. Don't know why I feel the need to wrap it up. <laughs> Ryan, thank you very much. Thank you, mate. Tom, thanks as always. Cheers, mate. Tim, see you later. Follow us on Twitter. And we'll be back next week. Bye. <laughs>